Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. Uh, if you want to be among the first to hear these bonus episodes, join us on Patreon and support the show like Dave Mundo. Dave, thanks, man. How wonderful it is to have listeners like you. Um, you know, usually we do a Desert Island jukebox or we tackle another issue, but we're going to turn this bonus podcast over to our ace producer, Andrew Gill about a fascinating new project and I'm going to keep you hanging until the other side of this about what that might be. You'll find out in a second on Sound Opinions. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we are back. So uh, we're here for uh, Andrew Gill's Big Reveal. Our producer has a new project that we'd love to talk about. Andrew, tell us what you got going. Well, first I have to make a confession to you guys and uh, beg your indulgence. Um, Hopefully after I tell you this, I still have a job on Sound Opinions. (laughs) But um, Job being in quotes. You guys depends on if those Patreon is that what you call this a job? Keep, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, it's a labor of love, but also <laughs> it's a it's a shoestring production. Well, uh, hopefully you still love me after I tell you this. Uh, my my younger years, I grew up listening to Christian rock. I don't know if no, you guys we know picked that. up yeah. on that. Oh, you we knew? knew that about you. Knew? We okay. knew that. Wow, no, what was we the know. tell? I don't know. You are, well, you are a person of faith, and your lovely wife is a minister. A, and, a priest, and, actually, know, yes. A priest. I'm yes. sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah, because it's Episcopal, so they have yes. priests, yes. right? Okay. I mean, I know all this. I know this. <laughs> you know, and and uh, you know, just because I embrace uh, Satan and his music uh, doesn't mean I'm against other religions. Sure. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's room for everyone. Um, but yeah. So I've been working on a project that is a podcast series about the world of Christian music. Um, really from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, during the peak mm-hmm. era. So the show is called Rock That Doesn't Roll, and it is premiering today. So I, mm. w- I asked your indulgence that maybe we could share a little bit about it for the Sound Opinions audience in case they want to check it out. Um, so I'm here to answer any questions you guys you know, have. No, this, <laughs> this is not a favor at all, Andrew. I've always been fascinated by that subculture. Um, and, and I will admit, I feel uh, the same way as I feel about the Grateful Dead culture. Um, I love the party in the parking lot and the intricacies of being part of that community. Hey, the music, not so much, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, I mean, uh, we have at times uh, dealt with, with 
signature bands of that, you know, of that genre, uh, Sunny Day Real Estate. But most notably, last year when we had uh, David Bazan and Pedro the Lion performing for us and chatting. I mean, what? One of my all-time favorite live tapes. Well, and just so thoughtful, you know. Yeah. He's just a very, you know, and I think a lot of the music, there's a lot of thought behind it. And uh, what I love, Andrew, I got a sneak peek of what you're doing. With Rock That Doesn't Roll, uh, you and your co-host, uh, Leah Payne, a professor, um, do a wonderful job of getting to that thoughtfulness behind the music, why it exists. Mm -hmm. you know, even people who may look askance at this as music uh, will be enriched by what you guys are doing. So I don't want to give away too much, <laughs> well, but think, my I mean, sense is not, that you're not, digging deep. You, you yeah. are acknowledging yeah, that people have misgivings. It's the history about this of a music. sound. It's the history of a community, mm -hmm. uh, and and the best stuff. You because you are a rock critic. You've been working with us uh, for for you know for seven, eight years, and ten years now, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, and and you know. The bad stuff, I think, tends to be really heavy-handed. Don't preach at me, man. Whereas the good stuff makes me think, just like all the best music in any genre. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that's different about this podcast than Sound Opinions is that we kind of try to set aside whether or not the music is good or not. <laughs> it's mm. Because the fact exists that this music formed the people we're talking to, you know? So we, right. we're interviewing people who listened to this and had significant experiences with this music in formative moments in their life, which is almost always the teen, the twenties, mm -hmm. you know, like your younger years. And it can like push you in a direction that you might not have gone otherwise. Andrew, uh, when did this idea come to you? Do you remember midterm election day, 2018, so I'm sitting at uh, at the WBEZ studios next to Alex, actually, and um, I'm you know we're working away at our episode. I don't remember what the episode was that week, but um, you know the air is tense. Uh, people are all the political reporters are hovering around, and uh, we're watching all the TVs all around. What's going to happen? There's like accusations of fraud and stuff. And uh, I look at Twitter and I, I refresh and I see some producers from NPR Music are posting pictures of the Tiny Desk concert that they're taping that day. And do you know who it was? It was Amy Grant. <laughs> on, on midterm election day in 2018. And um, something about those facts just broke my brain. And I just was like... What is NPR doing on the day that's like the reckoning for, you know, the this right wing takeover of America? <laughs> they have Amy Grant in the building. And I tried to um, talk about it with Alex or other people around me and and nobody really understood what I was talking about. <laughs> they were just like, they're like, I don't know. Amy Grant's fine. She's just sort of, you know, adult contemporary pop music. I don't know. <laughs> but uh at that moment, I realized, like, all right, there is a disconnect with what's going on in my brain and what the rest of people are thinking about when they think of Christian rock. So maybe we can get on the same page, and this this podcast is what grew out of that idea. It's a really strong force in American culture that people haven't really thought very seriously about. You know, it's it's kind of it's way easier to make jokes about it because yeah. a lot of it yeah. is really funny, but <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's a strong force in the Christian community too, because it's, it's advocating for people uh, to be a little more open. 
Yeah, often. Yeah. And then and then what does the Christian community or the establishment do when it gets too open? You know, what right. they, you know well, well, how do they clean it There is one sometimes. Christian community, right? right I mean, that's right. something that you guys are talking about. You and Leah, who's a, a wonderful uh, co-host. Uh, so you're gonna you're we're gonna we're gonna highlight a little clip, right? Yeah, I got a, I've got a, a extended trailer that that we'll listen to after after we're done talking. Um, and spoiler alert, I will tell you, he's not in the trailer, but I did talk with David Bazan as well. <laughs> we oh, of course. interviewed him for about 90 minutes or so, and uh, he had some really, really insightful stuff to say. Um, even Only like, 90 minutes? I mean, David's one of those people you could sit with and talk to for like eight well, hours. <laughs> well, we hit stop on the recording, and then we talked for another hour after that. So <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I would love it if the Sound Opinions uh, listeners would check out Rock That Doesn't Roll and, you know, give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, well, what about that name, Andrew? Where did that oh, come yeah. From? Well, the name is actually a song by Larry Norman from 1975, mm. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, <laughs> the idea of the song is that, you know, guess who the Rock That Doesn't Roll is? I'll give you one mm. guess. <laughs> it's Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so when you look up Rock That Doesn't Roll, if you like search it on Spotify, you will find a Larry Norman song. That's mm. not what we're talking about. <laughs> this is wherever you get podcasts, uh, look up Rock That Doesn't Roll and you'll you'll find it there. It's the logo is like a guitar that's smashing. Um, so yeah, that's that'll tell you you're find the right one. Well, you you know you know where the name though rock and roll comes from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, well, no. It's a, it was an aphorism for sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah for sure. Good. And you know, we do get into it. We did some interviews with um, rock historians about the Pentecostal churches that sort of, mm. you know, were some of the stew that rock and roll first arose from. Mm. Um, that that outsider status and the Holy Ghost like freedom oh, that, that chat people we were just getting. had about the about the Little Richard movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so oh, so yeah, we yeah. try to get into some of that how Christians created it, then rejected mm-hmm. it, and then co opted mm-hmm. it in a way. So mm. um, <laughs> it's it's a really tangled mess, and there's there's uh, endless hours of discussion that could be had about this. So um, mm. we just get into a little bit of it with uh, with our show. But well, congratulations, Andrew, and it's uh, uh, kudos to PRX's Big Questions Project uh, for letting you run with this idea. Uh, we're, we're not letting you leave sound opinions, but we're happy oh, no, to highlight yeah. this labor of love. <laughs> yeah, it's just I've been working double time. That's it's not a this is <laughs> this is just a double a side project. So yeah. well, we'll lay this on our listeners now, and you can go get some sleep. All right, thanks, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> thanks as always for listening to Sound Opinions. 1999 was quite a year for pop. The top 40 was full of pop princesses. Remember Baby One More Time by Britney Spears? And boy bands. Who could forget I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys? You might be stunned to learn that one of the biggest selling singles that year was won by a band with a couple of kids who met at a church retreat. Was Sixpence None the Richer a band of Christians or a Christian band? To some, the very idea of Christian rock is a contradiction in terms. To others, it's something worthy of praise. But love it or hate it, what you might not know is that it was a billion-dollar business that shaped American culture. 
From PRX and the Big Questions Project, Rock That Doesn't Roll is a new podcast that examines the impact of an industry that deserves a second look. They just see Christian Band, okay, and all of a sudden, like, it's, you know, they're screaming into the mic, and, like, everything's as loud as humanly possible, and kids are just flailing their arms like they're possessed by a spirit, and they're like, oh, my God, what what do we get ourselves into? Each episode, the show explores a world whose music has power to move hormonal teenagers more than any sermon. Watching a woman, a girl you're in love with, raising her hands to God with her eyes closed in ecstasy. I'm sorry, folks, it doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) Why wouldn't you fall in love with Christ? Are you kidding me? The angels come in the room when I listen to the song, and they flap their wings, and I fall on the floor, and I weep gently. I can't just say no to that. It's a subculture that's a little bit Christian. And a little bit rock and roll. This sounds like I'm making this up, but there were explosions on stage. They had pyrotechnics in the church gymnasium. Join us as we go back to a time when secular acts like Nirvana weren't the only bands inspiring teens to hurl themselves into the mosh pit. We couldn't have sex, we couldn't drink, we couldn't cuss. So, you know, let's get out here and just sort of like elbow each other for half an hour and then we'll pray and thank God and we'll go home. So it was, you know, kind of fun. But was it all effective? Did CCM actually make more teenagers turn to Christ? They were like, you have let Satan into the building. That's what they said. And what about the artists? Could true creative expression survive all the extra stress? Or did they have to leave the Christian bubble for that? It seemed like we were all ex-Christian bands. We all decided at the same time to take the plunge into the world. This is a show about what happens when an industry forms a new holy trinity, faith, fandom, and fortune, and the people caught in the middle. And I just thought, what is this? But then I immediately was like, well, this is not Christian, so I can't like this. Just file that away. That was amazing. That's not for me. There was a guy that made stickers in the scene and it said, keep your Bible out of my ska punk. Boycott Five Iron Frenzy. And we would put the stickers on our shirts and wear them. I didn't think of that as a Christian decision. I felt like that was being true to who we are as a band. Like, Jimmy World would never do that. Rage Against the Machine would never do that. Like, that's just not who we are. Listen to Rock That Doesn't Roll from PRX and the Big Questions Project. Starting October 4th wherever you get your podcasts.